This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 91 of the Catholic Foodie. You can't substitute fall. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young. And today we're going to talk about, well, we're going to rejoice a bit today. We're going to rejoice in the fact that it is fall. It is fall. And way down here in Louisiana, we're enjoying a rare fall treat, cold, or not cold, but cool weather. Alleluia! (laughs) Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic drinky, joins us today to talk about her favorite fall brew. And Sarah Reinhardt brings us another special treat. And this month of the rosary, she chats with us about the rosary in the kitchen. So we have all this and more right here, the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right. So we have Sarah and Sarah here today, and I'm here. I'm here. What am I going to (laughs) do? I'm going to share with you just a few creative substitutions that you can make in the kitchen for your next recipe. At least that's my hope. Uh, we've got some voice feedback, too, that I think you're going to really enjoy. It's very funny. Uh, Kate, uh, in advance, I'll tell you I'm sorry for thinking that is so funny, but it is funny. <laughs> and y'all will hear that uh, in, in just a bit. Uh, first, I want to uh, give a, a special thank you once again to DivineOffice.org, the sponsors of today's show. I've said it many times before, and I will say it again. I love the Divine Office. I love the Liturgy of the Hours, and it is a staple of my prayer life, one that I recommend to anyone who wants to grow in prayer or to steep their life into the Word of God. The Divine Office, the Liturgy of the Hours, is basically praying the Scriptures. It is so beautiful, so wonderful, so powerful. I recommend it to everybody. And the folks over at divineoffice.org have made it very easy, very simple to join with others both uh, with text on the screen and also an audio form right there on the computer to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, the official prayer of the church, morning, noon, evening, night prayer, office of readings. It's all right there. And uh, I just want to invite you to join me over there. Join me there. Pray with me there. It's, uh, it's something I really love. Now, <laughs> you know, it's it's. Um, I'll, I'll say a, a bit more about this in just a minute, but I was at a special Mass today for the Feast of St. Therese of Lisieux, and of course, you know, that feast was actually on October 1st, it was on Friday, but the Archbishop at the local Carmelite uh, monastery uh, or convent uh, celebrated a special Mass today. We call it the Mass of the Roses, and afterwards, I got to go treasure hunting for, for old books. They had all these old books for sale for like a dollar a piece. So you talk about a kid in a candy store, oh man, it was awesome. I love that kind of stuff. So I was digging through everything, and I I bought, <laughs> I mean like a treasure chest full of books for $7. It was incredible. But I'm so excited because one of those books basically is the history of the Liturgy of the Hours from the Eastern and the Western Church. I mean, it goes back to the beginning, folks. This is this is awesome. I mean, some people may say, oh, that's boring. You know, that's ugh, what we, it's history. It's, you know, man, this is, you're talking about the prayer of the church. You're talking about scripture. You're talking about how all this stuff came together and how we're called to pray it today. That's right. Second Vatican Council reminded us, you know, we're all, all people, including the laity, all of us are called to holiness. And uh, one of the ways that this has really come about since Vatican II has been 
a, an effort, an effort to pull in, to bring in the laity and the prayer of the, the official prayer of the church, the liturgy of the hours, because the Mass is, is once again, it's a liturgy like the Mass is a liturgy. So uh, good stuff, and I can't wait to get into that book. I found several books I just love. One of them was a cookbook, old. It was a paperback, kind of like a trade paperback. It's kind of weird. You know, I haven't seen a cookbook like that in a long, long time, but it's basically a two-in-one cookbook. One of them is about uh, salads, just all salads, and it's got suggested menus. There's some interesting stuff. It explains different lettuces, and, you know, so I kind of like that stuff. Um, and the other part of the book, you know, if you actually, if you turn it over on the back, you can read it like it's, you know, it's two books pushed together, meshed together. You got to turn it upside down and turn it on the back side and you're on the front of the other cookbook. So it's, uh, kind of funny. It, it's, I don't know, it was published like in the seventies, sixties or seventies or something. It's, it's kind of old. And, uh, the other side was soups and sandwiches. So I got salads and soups and sandwiches. Pretty nice little cookbook, um, pocket size. It's easy to travel, although I don't know why I would travel with that. And I have my kids making lots of noise outside. Excuse me. I have my kids making lots of noise outside and the dogs, if you could hear that dog barking. Uh, But that's just life over here uh, at the Young's. (laughs) So let's get into the show. Uh, We're going to start today with our prayer. And here we go. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, bread of life come down from heaven. We thank you for this wonderful month of October in which we celebrate the lives of so many of your holy saints. St. Therese, St. Francis of Assisi, our holy guardian angels, our lady of the rosary, and so many more. May they pray for us and with us as we join around this table to celebrate your love for our family and for all families. Bless us, Lord Jesus, and these gifts that come from your hand. Amen. I don't really drink, you know. Of course you don't. I wouldn't either if I was drinking that. But you would have to be an idiot of elephantine proportions not to appreciate this 61 Chateau La Tour. And you, Monsieur Linguini, are no idiot. <laughs> Let us toast your non-idiocy. Hello to all you foodies out there. I am Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic drinky, coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, wanted just to talk for a minute about one of my favorite fall beers. Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale. That's right, it's a pumpkin ale. Um, It is absolutely delicious. Um, In case you haven't heard of it before, it is a seasonal brew from um, actually currently my favorite brewery, um, Dogfish Head from Milton, Delaware. Um, It is just absolutely a perfect blend of pumpkin, brown sugar, allspice, cinnamon, and nutmeg. And it just makes this delicious Uh, treat that you just get to sip on um, for as long as you want. It's good cold, it's good warm, um, both ways as you let it warm up uh, in the ambient temperature. It's a great fall beer. It was first released in 1994 and actually won an award um, when it was first released. So if you uh, haven't been able to try this beer, I definitely recommend you go out and try to find it at one of your specialty craft beer stores. Um, It is worth it. It's about... um, 
probably seven or eight dollars for a four pack, um, and it does disappear off the shelves very quickly as it is one of the most popular pumpkin beers out there. So get out there, find it, try it, and let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter at Catholic Drinky or at uh, CatholicDrinky.com. Thanks for listening and God bless. Thank you so much, Sarah. That was Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic Drinky over at CatholicDrinky.com. And uh, man, that sounds good. That sounds good. I love pumpkin ale. Uh, matter of fact, this coming week, I mean, I love October. I love October. It's about my favorite month. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if I could explain it. I think there are about a thousand reasons why October is my favorite month. Halloween is one of them. And that's something that we'll probably talk about as we get closer to Halloween. I know there's a lot of people today, a lot of Catholics today, who have a hard time with Halloween. But I think that it's sort of a misplaced uh, sentiment. Um, you know, Halloween really started as it's a Catholic feast, folks. It's a, it's a Catholic thing. And instead of running away from it, because it has been secularized and it has been, I guess, pardon the expression, but in a sense kind of demonized, um, it's been kind of taken over by people who would, you know, are opposed to the Catholic faith and oftentimes opposed to Christianity in general. Uh, but instead of running away from that, instead of cowering to them, taking over our feast, my, my, what I say is, hey, let's stand up and take it back, you know, let's take it back. It's our feast. So I know there's a lot of folks out there who do, uh, instead of doing a Halloween dress up kind of scary stuff, they do a, a saint's party or Something like that. We have it here in in our um, in our parish. They do that, and I think there's a lot of value there because you're talking about all saints and all souls. But I think there's something to be said about dressing up as skeletons and ghosts and scary stuff like that. I do because it reminds us of death. And uh, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, Death is kind of like, you know, part of life, and uh, we're all going to arrive there one day. And in addition to that, another great thing about our faith, it reminds us, lots of the saints, a lot of the saints remind us that it's good to keep death before your eyes because it helps us to keep focused on the here and now and what we need to be doing right now to prepare for the thing that is most important in life, and that is eternal life. That's eternal life. So I love October. I think that has part to do with it. You know, the, the year is winding down. Then you have this thing called Oktoberfest. you got this celebration, of course, in Germany. But you have celebrations all over the world of these wonderful beers. Matter of fact, a local brewery here in town, Heiner Brau is the name of it, is having a big Oktoberfest celebration next weekend, which I think we, uh, we intend on going to. And they make a special pumpkin ale every year just for that. Uh, I don't believe you can find it in a bottle unless they've recently started to bottle that. Uh, it's something they brew. It's available there at the brewery. You can hit, get it on tap, but it's not as far as I know now. I, I haven't gone into the store and, and specifically looked for their beer in, in, in a while, but from what I remember from last year, they did not bottle that. It's something that you had to get there at, uh, at Oktoberfest. So good stuff. I love that. And thank you so much, Sarah, for bringing it to our attention. Uh, Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale. Thank you. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. 
But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, as we, as we uh, enter here, folks, into the salad segment, <laughs> which uh, is supposed to be about health, right? Health stuff. I've got just a couple of things to share with you. First of all, ouch. Oh, my goodness, ouch. Uh, you you got to be careful of your back, okay? That's that's the tip of the day. Be careful with your back. I have been uh, having some back issues recently. Uh, matter of fact, you know, uh, if you've been following the Catholic Foodie for a while, you know that I have I've switched recently, switched uh, professions. I, I left teaching and am working for myself full-time. Uh, doing web design and social media stuff, and which means, by the way, that I'm sitting at a computer for large parts of the day and sometimes even at night. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good. It's fun. I love it. I love what I do. Um, I kind of thrive on that. But at the same time, I've started to get these, like, knots in my back. And, you know, not to be a, a whiny baby, uh, but I've had I've had back issues before, but it's typically like the upper back, you know the neck area, but this is sort of like the middle of the back, and it's these big knots. I mean, they feel like bones. It's so so tense, and uh, I've been begging my family, you know, my, my daughters and my wife to, to, you know, massage my back, and they've been gracious. They've helped me out. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go and get like a real massage, but I uh, haven't had a chance to do that yet, and uh, lo and behold, yesterday, I was helping my son find some stuff up in the attic. And I was coming down the stairs. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? It's just ridiculous. Coming down the stairs, I'm carrying stuff. I couldn't see what I was doing. And about three steps down from the bottom, I slipped and fell flat on my behind and kind of rode my behind down three steps. Three, I think it's three or four steps. Man, the first thing out of my mouth was, uh-oh, I hope this doesn't hurt tomorrow. <laughs> Well, guess what? It does. It does. Uh, man, I got this. The, today we went to a special mass, a special mass, as I mentioned, uh, celebrating the Feast of St. Therese. We have a Carmelite monastery, some cloistered nuns, Carmelite nuns, discalced Carmelites here in Covington. And they've been in New Orleans for, golly, for a long time, uh, years and years and years and years. And uh, after Katrina, they moved their monastery from New Orleans, the downtown area, up, not downtown, uptown area, to the North Shore, to Covington. Beautiful, beautiful property. Uh, of course, they're beautiful, you know, very prayerful, prayerful women of God. Uh, so moving to see them. Matter of fact, one of them, Sister Miriam, she renewed her profession today 60 years, 60 years as a cloistered Carmelite nun. Is that awesome or what? Wow, that was cool. Uh, the retired Archbishop Hughes was there to celebrate the Eucharist along with uh, some Carmelite priests. And I think they actually had a Dominican there and another priest from a different order. And I can't remember uh, which one right now, but uh, very cool. Very, very cool. So we were there and the place was packed. It was outside, outdoor mass, beautiful roses everywhere. These little girls, you know, a bunch of little girls there, my daughters included, in their first communion dresses, 
there to be flower girls, to hand roses out to people after they were blessed at the end of Mass. And just, it's just wonderful. It was just wonderful. And the weather, it was 61 degrees. This is, this is South Louisiana. It was 61 degrees. That's unbelievable. You talk about a blessing from God. That is from heaven. If there, if there ain't nothing else from heaven, I'm telling you what, that was a miracle today. That was a gift to us. I'm sure St. Therese was praying for us, saying, hey, give them a break. Give them some nice weather for a change. And, man, we got it. 61 degrees. It was perfect. Um, but there were so many people there, I had to stand up in the back. So at the end of Mass, I, I kind of sat down, and, and after I sat down, I, I couldn't hardly get up. It was terrible. So I'm walking around now like a little, you know, like I'm, I'm like I've aged about 30, 40 years. But uh, in a couple of days, I hope I'll be back up to normal. So I don't know. I'm just saying if you guys, if you, if you are a, uh, a modern worker out there working on your computer and, you know, maybe into social media or web design or whatever it may be, whatever you do, if you're working on a computer, man, you just take this whole ergonomic stuff seriously. Maybe get up and stretch and on a regular basis. Maybe set a timer to do that every once in a while, every 30 minutes, every hour, something like that. I'm trying to get on a kind of a classroom schedule myself where I work solid for 50 minutes and then I have a little alarm go off and then I get up and I stretch and I kind of take a 10-minute break and come back and work for another 50 minutes and try to try to go like that because I mean, it's not natural for me. I, I'll sit down and I'll work for five, six hours straight and not get up at all, and that's just not good for me. So anyway, just a health helpful tip there, and uh, I also have another tip for you, <laughs> and this is actually from a good friend of a, of ours, a good friend of the Catholic foodie, Kate Daniluk, of Making Music Praying Twice. It's a wonderful ministry for families, makingmusicprayingtwice.com, and uh, she sent this in last week, and I just, I cracked up. <laughs> I mean, at her expense, I guess, but it was just so funny. You're going to love this. Let's take a listen to what Kate has to say. Hi, Jeff. It's Kate Daniluk calling from Making Music Praying Twice up here in Yankee country in New Jersey. Um, I'm just calling because I love your new layout with the uh, meal that you present with your podcast. And I also am so excited about your coffee coming out. It's so great that you have the three different kinds of roasts, and I can't wait to get some for my husband and my dad to try. Unfortunately, I am not a coffee drinker. But maybe someday you'll have a tea that I can enjoy. Um, also, I really loved your little points on the uses of vinegar, and we've used vinegar for several of those purposes, including mixing it with hot water to clean our, our wooden floors. Um, a little funny story, as a pain reliever, I had an earache the other day, and my mother had just seen on the Dr. Oz show about putting vinegar in for an earache. So she... <laughs> said, would you like me to put some vinegar in there? And I said, that would be great. Hopefully it will help. So she goes and puts it in, and it was really painful. It was burning. And I said, um, gee, this really hurts. It really hurts. And I looked at the bottle, and she had accidentally used the bottle of ammonia instead of vinegar. So we quickly rinsed it out and put some vinegar in there, which helped um, with that as well. So it also neutralizes ammonia burns. (laughs) Anyway, a little bit funny because no one was hurt, but um, God bless you and God bless your ministry. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, that makes me hurt when I heard that. I I couldn't believe it. Oh, my goodness. 
my ears started burning. I certainly hope that you are okay. And uh, wow, man, you got to be careful. Watch those bottles. Make sure you get the right one. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's not like um, going through and, and I think one time I, I was in a kitchen, I went to make something that had uh, cinnamon in it, you know, and I was going to uh, add the cinnamon only later to find out that I actually added cumin. <laughs> and that, I thought that was bad, but golly, I can't imagine putting that in my ear. Whew. So I certainly hope that you are doing better. Thank you so much for calling in and, and sharing that with us. And yes, yes, you are right. The Catholic Foodie Coffee is available. It is available. It is, uh, you go to catholicfoodie.com slash coffee, and you can order it right there on the website. Uh, you know, it, this is a new thing. We just got this uh, kicked off uh, last week, and so there's, you know, we, we've discovered a few little bugs, especially dealing with the post office. That was the challenge this past week. And, uh, you know, the post office, it, it's very expensive to ship things. At least it seems expensive uh, to me. Uh, so we, we're trying to work out solutions to uh, ship this stuff the, the, the quickest way possible, but also the, the most inexpensive way. Still trying to work out a few kinks there, but the coffee is available. It's uh, $10 for a 12-ounce bag of whole bean, whole bean hand-roasted coffee. Good stuff. And this is the morning offering blend, okay? The Catholic Foodie bringing to you the morning offering blend. And now you just think about that, morning offering. There's a lot of subtleties there. You can probably distill a few uh, subtle meanings behind that, right? The morning offering blend. So uh, please do grab a bag. Why don't you go ahead and grab a bag, try it out, because it may be something that would make a great stocking stuffer for the coffee drinkers in your life. So uh, I'd love for you to do that. Try that out. It's uh, catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. And uh, you can find out more about the coffee there at that uh, at that URL address. And you can also order right there online. And if you have any questions at all about the coffee, just give me a call, 985-635-4974. Or you can email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Matter of fact, I had a couple of uh, couple of folks who had ordered coffee last week who got back with me and talked about how good the coffee was. Uh, so I'm very happy about that. I had the consistent the consistent uh, uh, comments that were that came in. The consistent comments uh, were uh, my English is going bad here. One, I should say, one of the consistent comments that came in was that it was so smooth. Smooth, no bitterness, and that's that's the way it's roasted. That is the way it's roasted. Smooth, no bitterness, and uh, if you if you this is the kind of coffee that you could drink black, even though you don't you don't really like black coffee. You're like me, you know, I don't really like it black. I put at least a little bit of cream in it, a little bit of half and half. It doesn't matter with this stuff. I mean, you can go ahead and put cream in it. Don't get me wrong, but if you typically don't like black coffee, it's just because it's bitter. You don't find that with this coffee at all. You could drink it black. Very good stuff. Smooth, no bitterness. Give it a try. CatholicFoodie.com slash coffee. True love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. 
They're so perky. I love that. Well, uh, you know, for this main segment here, it's going to be a short main segment. You know, a few weeks back, I got an email from Sarah Reinhardt, and you know, you all know Sarah. She emailed me, though, and said, uh, hey, you know, I would really love if you could put together some, like, typical uh, substitutions for ingredients and recipes. You know, things like, uh, I think she had talked about, and I may have mentioned this already earlier, uh, she had talked about, like, onions. You know, her husband doesn't like onions. So instead of using real onions, she uses onion powder. That's a very simple substitution. And, you know, she there's there's lots of different substitutions. Matter of fact, in doing a little research today, I came across a book that I'm actually going to buy. And what I'll probably do is do a more extensive sort of segment on substitutions at a later date after I get this book. But it's basically, it's called the Food Substitution Bible. And it's got like, 6,500 different substitutions. It's just crazy, you know, but the reviews were excellent. It's like people love this book. Very helpful. So I do, I do plan on picking up a copy of this book um, from amazon.com and, and, uh, and going through that. And I, I hope to share some of those insights with you. But until then, let me just point out a few that I know or that I have found recently online. Uh, here's the first one. You know, a lot of recipes call for fresh herbs. They may say use uh, one tablespoon of fresh basil, for instance. I've got a garden full of basil. We planted so many things this year, and nothing survived except my basil, and it's kind of taken over the entire garden. we got basil all over the place. I can start making basil pesto and shipping it out with the coffee. (laughs) It might get kind of messy if I did that, but I could. I've got so much basil. Uh, So if you don't have fresh basil, what do you do? Well, if you've got the dried herb, if you've got, you know, dried basil, uh, or you, if you've got, if you, if it calls for fresh oregano and you only have dried oregano, whatever it may be, if it calls for one tablespoon of the fresh, you could use one third to one half of the dried, right? That's the sort of equivalent there. You can substitute that. So one tablespoon of fresh would equal about one-third to one-half teaspoon of the dried herb. What about garlic? Garlic. Now, garlic is tricky, and I'm kind of, I'm taking a chance saying this here because, you know, we love garlic so much we use a lot of it. When we cook, we do use a lot of garlic. But this this particular, uh, you know, it's suggested, I guess, that one clove of garlic is equal to about one-eighth teaspoon of garlic powder. Now, in my house, we don't use garlic powder because garlic powder is more processed than, and, and not only is it processed, but they they have additives in garlic powder, just as they do onion powder. There are additives to keep it from caking, all right? Keep it from caking so it's not just the garlic. It's not just the onions. You have additives. If you want to know what I think about that kind of stuff, go back to episode 87, okay? That's when I got on my high horse I got my little box out, I stood up on it, and I did a little preaching on the, you know, the, the food industry and all the artificial garbage that, that, that we're being fed. So go back to episode 87 if you want to hear that. Uh, but what we use instead of garlic powder is garlic, um, is granulated garlic, granulated garlic. They don't put extra garbage in there to keep it from caking, right? Granulated garlic is just garlic. 
So, um, and, and to be honest, I don't know. What would the equivalency be? I don't know. I just use a lot of it. That's all I know. Just use a lot of it. So, uh, let's see. If you were going to use, let's say, a recipe calls for an egg, one whole egg, in uh, a recipe that you, you know, like baking, something that you're going to bake, they call for an egg. Well, instead, you could use one teaspoon of cornstarch plus a quarter cup of water. Now, keep in mind, these are substitutions, and I think uh, I'm pretty safe in saying this, that anytime you substitute a recipe or an ingredient, rather, anytime you substitute an ingredient, you're compromising something, all right? You're compromising something in the recipe. I just take onions for an example, right? An onion is more than just a flavor, right? You've got a certain consistency with an onion. An onion has a lot of liquid in it. So if you add onions to a recipe, you're not just adding an onion flavor, you're adding also that liquid. You're adding that, uh, if a fresh onion, I almost want to call it a milk. I mean, it's just it's this white, beautiful, milky flavor or flavorful, you know. Uh, but all that stuff gets cooked out of the onion when you put it into whatever you're, you're making. So you, you can't get that in onion powder, all right? So you're giving something up. You are compromising. Same thing with garlic. Garlic is, if you press garlic, what are you going to get? You're going to get something that is juicy, right? You're going to get like a garlic juice. You're going to get uh, a, a, a concentrated garlic flavor, that, that sort of mushed garlic. You don't get that from powdered garlic. You don't get it from granulated garlic. So you're giving something up whenever you substitute. Just please know that. Same thing here. If you use a, uh, instead of a whole egg, you use cornstarch and water. Well, you know, you're, you're, giving, you're giving stuff up. So just keep that in mind anytime you substitute uh, something. Now, here's, here's one that I would never do, but what about a cup of whole fresh milk? Let's say a recipe calls for whole fresh milk. You don't have any or you don't like it. What could you do? How about half a cup of evaporated milk plus half a cup of water? Okay. Personally, I think that'd be too watery, but... That's that's one recommendation. Or you could use a one-third cup of dry milk, which, once again, you get dry milk, you got a problem. What else is going to be in there, right? Uh, plus one cup of water. So you're compromising when you do this. But, uh, you know, there's some things you could do, though, that is not, it's not, it's not, um, I, I would say that you can get away with it without compromising too much. Think about this. What about buttermilk? Very few people keep buttermilk around. But, you know, you can make buttermilk very easily. You can take plain yogurt, for instance, or even, uh, believe it or not, sour milk. And you can take sour milk uh, and and um, uh, actually what you would do is take uh, four teaspoons of white vinegar or lemon juice plus the milk to make one cup. And then you let it sit for five minutes before using it. And it's going to make that milk kind of curdle and, and, and sour and uh, you'll be able to use that as buttermilk. Uh, another one. Let me see. There was one I saw earlier. Another suggestion. Where is it? Sour cream? Nope. One. Ooh, this is a great one. My my daughters did this the other day. One cup of cream. You know, you may not keep cream around your house, but if you need one cup of cream, what could you do? You take one third cup of butter and three fourths cup of milk. And you can make cream. And what do you do? You basically, and this is, of course, has to be like whole butter. 
uh, you just you shake it. You shake it. My daughters did this, or you 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 uh, swirl it around, right? And my daughters did this the other day. They they wanted to experiment. We get a milk. It's a local milk, and uh, it's it's a whole milk, but it's like there's no, it's not homogenized. It's just pure raw. It's the same milk that came out the cow. They don't do anything to it, and it's so thick, and it's got like this natural butter cream that forms on the inside and the kids love it i can't personally drink milk it makes me sick but like literally sick but uh the, the kids they just love it char loves it and they took some of that and they they put it in this jar and they swirled it around swirled it around swirled it around and guess what five minutes goes by swirling this thing around and you're making butter <laughs> it's pretty amazing so yeah you could do something like that definitely um, if you don't have brown sugar, you could use a, if one cup of brown sugar, you could use one cup of granulated sugar plus two tablespoons of molasses, two tablespoons of molasses. So here we go. We've got all these different things, all these different, uh, uh, substitutions that we could use. I'm going to have more for you after I get my food substitution Bible. That's going to be fun to read. 6,500 substitutions. I won't read all of them. I promise, <laughs> but I think it'll be fun to pull out some and share those with you a little later on. Anyway, if you have any of your own favorite substitutions, I'd love to hear about them. 985-635-4974 or email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Hi, I'm Puny. And I'm Ray. And, and this is Mary in the, the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> In the last couple of years, October has come to mean many different things to me, most of them involving my kitchen. We have birthdays and baking and cold floors. We'll be firing up the wood stove soon, I hope, and my days of trudging through my kitchen with baskets of wet laundry to hang on the line are severely limited. This year, my obsession with apples will lead me to continue my experiments with canning both applesauce and apple butter. Just a few days ago, we were canning tomatoes on the 1st of October, which is the latest we remember doing it in the last few years. There are the deep blue October skies and brightly painted canvases of trees outside, punctuated by the sounds of combines and tractors hauling wagons going up and down the roads all around us. We're seeing a lot of fuzzy caterpillars, and I have officially packed the shorts and tank tops away to keep my kids from trying to wear them. Underlying all the beauty of early October, though, is the church calendar, which has marked this as the month of the rosary. October is also observed as Respect Life Month, which seems so fitting to me on so many levels. From my kitchen, I see the hustle and bustle of life. It's in the piles of dirty dishes, evidence of our appetites and the bounty of food we've been blessed with. It's in the scurrying puppies and scampering children, proof that God not only loves me, but has a sense of humor in his creation. It's in the baskets of laundry and the scattered toys, the papers from school and the aprons on their hook, the fall decorations and the refuge-seeking creepy crawlies. The rosary speaks of life. When I pray it, 
whether I'm paying attention or just muddling through it, distracted and struggling. There is always the link to the life I'm called to model. In the rosary, which John Paul II called the School of Mary, I am a student learning from the Master. Jesus walks with me in the rosary, though I sometimes don't notice him. I foolishly think that I'm all alone, that I'm carrying my burdens by myself, that he has more important things to worry about. It's because of his mother that I find him again, sometimes in the most unexpected way, washing dishes to the sorrowful mysteries, only to find him right there, encouraging me despite his own travail. October might be my favorite month, and maybe it's because I find myself examining the rosary and my life anew each year. There's a feeling of beginning in the fall, a sense of purpose and preparation. Winter is ahead. It will be cold and long and dreary, but it will also yield to the first blooms of spring, to the bounty of summer, to the joy of taking off our layers and feeling the sun kissing our skin. While I'm in the kitchen this week, I'm going to pray my rosary for you, dear listeners. I'm going to ask Mama Mary to help you in your own devotion, and that, whether you're an advanced student in her school or just a beginner like I am, that you'll experience all the graces her son has waiting for you. Thank you so much, Sarah. That's Sarah Reinhardt with Mary in the Kitchen. You can find more of Sarah over at snoringscholar.com. And you see, I'm not alone. She said that October is probably her favorite month, too. Hey, I feel I feel loved now. That's great. <laughs> I'm not alone. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? In addition to Catholic foodie coffee, and I have to say this, I have to say this, Sarah reminded me of it. Uh, in addition to Catholic Foodie Coffee, you can also get a Catholic Foodie Coffee Mug. That's right, Catholic Foodie Coffee Mug to go along with your coffee. Perfect way to enjoy your Catholic Foodie Coffee. And uh, Catholic Foodie aprons available, T-shirts, tote bags. You got all kind of good stuff there. Catholic Foodie, uh, you just need to go to store.catholicfoodie.com. The URL there is a different URL than the coffee URL. And uh, that is something we're trying to work out here, uh, kind of a, a solution to you where you could order, order all of that stuff at the same time. Uh, but right now it's two separate uh, processes, and uh, that really just has to do, once again, with the shipping issue. So uh, store.catholicfoodie.com for all of your uh, aprons and coffee mugs and all that good stuff, store.catholicfoodie.com. And uh, also the coffee, as I've mentioned before, catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. And a special thanks to L'Angelus for letting us use their Ave Maria in the show. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm -hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, we are winding up the show here, folks. And once again, a special thank you to the folks over at DivineOffice.org 
who provide us with uh, excellent, excellent means of praying the, the Liturgy of the Hours uh, together, together in a, in a virtual community of sorts. It's really very cool, divineoffice.org. And, you know, besides the Liturgy of the Hours and the Mass, you know, there's another great, great uh, favorite prayer of mine, which is the Rosary. And I admit, I, I admit, and I wish, you know, it's mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, um, I don't pray it as often as I used to, and I, I'm, 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 I really feel bad about that. And for me, though, it tends to be an issue of time, um, and I know I should make more time. And it also tends to be an issue of quiet. You see, I'm, I'm the kind of person that when I pray the rosary, I like to take my time. I don't rush through it. I don't rush through it at all. And so praying a rosary for me may take anywhere from 20, 30 minutes some people go through in 15. I can't do that. I just, um, I, there's no point in me praying it if I'm going to do it in 15 minutes. It just, it, I, I don't make a connection with God doing that. So it takes me a little bit longer, and maybe that's why. But uh, one of my favorite prayers, and I just want to let you know, kind of reiterate something that Sarah said earlier, Sarah Reinhardt, and that is October is the month of the rosary. And I'm happy to announce, and this is just not, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm just very happy, very excited that so far, so far this month, in October, so far, I have prayed the rosary every day. Isn't that awesome? That's exciting. Now, of course, today's just the third. <laughs> just the third. So, but I'm, I'm, I've got a good start in here. I've got a good start. So that is my goal. I'm going to try to pray the rosary every day. And why don't you join me and let me and let Sarah Reinhardt know that. Uh, once again, call us. 985-635-4974 or email me at, ca- at Jeff, Jeff, that's right, Jeff at CatholicFoodie.com. Don't forget to sign up for the Catholic Foodie newsletter over at CatholicFoodie.com slash newsletter and keep your eyes peeled for the new Catholic Foodie cookbook project, cookbook.catholicfoodie.com. That is coming at you. I've got to do a little editing uh, to get that uh, that post up and it's not on iTunes yet, but cookbook.catholicfoodie.com coming your way Keep your eyes out. You, I think, I think you're going to like this. I think you're going to like it. I know I'm going to have fun with it. So I hope that you will too. And until next time, bon appétit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.